Hey, what's up, everyone? How you guys doing tonight? So a couple of years ago, I realized that on Good Friday, a lot of kids had to go to church with their parents, and a lot of kids weren't coming on a Friday night on Good Friday. So from that day forth, Alumni Night was born, and I'm so glad that it is a part. It is so awesome to see your faces tonight. So excited to um, share this message that I have with you guys. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for your great love, God, that led you to a cross and I pray tonight, God, as we get to spend a couple of moments together talking about this, that you would help me, God, to bring to life the amazing thing that you have done for us, God, that nothing else could ever compare to this. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be moving and you'd be active tonight. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I love blaming people for things that is so obviously done by me but I still love blaming them anyway. And I know that's very childish, but I do this all the time to Jess. Um, I'll leave something out in the house or I'll not clean something up. And she'll be like, Joey, why didn't you do this? And I'll be like, oh, Kylie, I told you to put that away. And it's so obviously me, but I think it's like the funniest thing in the whole world. I don't know why. Jess gets so sick of it and so tired of it, but I think it's so funny. I'm about to tell you guys something that I'm a little reluctant to say. And so this is one of those moments in green room where you don't do as I do. This is something that I am not necessarily proud of, but whenever I used to go out to eat, and we were talking with, I was talking with the seniors a couple weeks ago when we were out to eat, and something popped back into my memory that reminded me of this. Every time I used to go out to eat my senior year of high school, I would leave Ben Schneider's phone number on the bill, and, <laughs> and I would leave like a winky face with it every single time we went out to eat, right? And so uh, like a month later, like he was getting ready to go away to college, and he'd be like, guys... It's so weird. I keep getting all these phone calls from all these waitresses, and I have no idea why they're calling me. And I just started dying, and we still haven't told them that it was us that had been doing it, me and my friend Casey. But I love blaming someone else for something that I did. And tonight, we celebrate when God in the flesh took the blame for you and I. And it was a very dark day. Sometimes we jump right to Easter because We feel better when Easter finally gets here, and we forget everything that really happened sometimes, the real sacrifice that Jesus made for us that day, and it was a long weekend. It was not an easy day. The earth was groaning. It turned dark. All of heaven was brokenhearted, and tonight is a very somber night where Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and I, and My heart is for you to know how deep and how painful and how horrific was his sacrifice. It was the worst of the worst. And you and I have a tendency to disconnect or distance ourselves from the cross because we've celebrated it so many times. You and I have heard the story over and over. We think it's just something that Jesus has done for us. We've become so accustomed to hearing it, and so we distance it. Maybe some of you, it was so powerful at first. You remember when you were younger, and you heard that story, and it it just shook you on the inside. You felt like you'd never be the same, but over time, the distance has made its way into your heart, and it's just something that you know. It's something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Yeah, he paid the price, and I think the reason why 
we can so easily distance ourselves sometimes is because we forget that you and I were the reason for the cross. It should have been you that was mocked. It should have been you that was betrayed by your best friend. It should have been you that they beat to an inch of your life. It should have been you that had nails driven through your hands and your feet. It should have been you left to die on a cross. And then you who spent eternity in hell. That's what you and I should have went through. That should have been us. What we should experience because of all the sin in our lives. Because of all the wrong things that you and I have done. Yet Jesus stood in the gap. And we need to remember that tonight. Don't distance yourself from the pain of the cross. It becomes real when you remember that it should have been you that suffered in this way. And not just in this life, but for all of eternity. Suffering forever and ever. But Jesus stood in the gap for you and I. And when you hear that, it's not easy just to get past the cross tonight. When you really realize that. Tim Keller says this, the more we see our flaws and sin, the more precious and amazing God's grace appears. And, and my heart tonight is not to make you feel horrible because of all the things that you've done in your life. But you need to realize that you are a sinner. That you have done some really messed up things. All of us have. Me, probably at the top of that list. And we need to let our sins remind us of the great price that Jesus paid because he took those sins on. And when you realize how dirty and how wrong your sins were, you realize how amazing God's grace truly is. That's why scripture says, those that have been forgiven much, love much, because they know what they've been cleansed from. And each and every one of us could have a gigantic list tonight of things that we've done wrong, ways that we have fallen short, that Jesus took on that list for you and I. And so my heart is that you guys would let God's grace blow you away again, that you would remember what that moment was like when it first became real to you. And, and, and some of you kind of care tonight. You, you've given parts of your heart and your life to Jesus. Maybe some of you guys for a season in your life, we're really passionate, but you've, you've fallen back. You've given up in some ways. And so you, you kind of care. There's still some things that you care about more than God tonight. He doesn't have your full worship or your attention. And there's two things I want you to know. The first one is, is that Jesus is crazy about you. Even though you walked away, even though you care about other things more tonight. He's crazy about you. He loves you. He would have went to the cross anyway if it was for you. Well, how does that make any sense though, Joey? How does that line up? I don't even give him all of my worship. There's things that I care about more tonight. That's just the kind of love that Jesus has for you. Even if you are distracted tonight, even if you can't wait 
for this message to be over. You are just waiting to get out tonight and do something else. Jesus sees you right now, and he's like, I love that person so much. I love you, and I'm just so glad that you came to church tonight, even if you're thinking about a million other things. That's the Father's heart tonight. And then the second thing is this, is that you probably need to refresh your view of the cross tonight. Because if you see Jesus for who he is, you can't help but worship and give him your full attention. There is no middle ground when you truly see the sacrifice that he has made. And so, if that's you, if you just feel like you're distracted, you don't care, but you want to, and you're struggling tonight, you want to feel something, would you just, as I'm speaking, just pray this simple prayer in your heart tonight? Jesus, I want to know what it's like again to feel your love, to know that you care for me so deeply. And he will honor that prayer. He will work in your situation tonight. It's okay to admit that sometimes we're not there. That sometimes we don't feel the things that the guy on stage is speaking about. Jesus just wants you to be real. And he's crazy about you, even though some of you guys have turned your back on him, that you mock him, that you care about other things. He's sitting here just waiting for some of you guys to turn back tonight. And you know what the crazy part of all this stuff is? Is that some of you are sitting in the seats tonight and the enemy's whispering you to you that this is for good people. That this is for people that have it all together. That have been living their life in a right way. We've heard this story about Jesus and we know that it's only by his sacrifice, but we still feel deep down that this is for good people. And it's never been for good people. And it never will be for people who think they are perfect. This is for people that are broken, that are hurting, and know that they need a Savior. If it was for good people, when he was hanging on that cross, he wouldn't have looked at the man next to him who was a robber. And we don't even know all the other things that this man has done in his life. Yet Jesus looks at this man on his side and says, Surely you will be with me today in paradise. All because he said, I believe, Jesus. I believe. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's a small confession of your heart today. Even if you don't have it all together, even if you have done the worst things right before you came today, all it takes is a simple cry of your heart. Jesus, I believe. I care. That's all he wants to hear. And he loves you guys so incredibly much. And Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 15, and this is what it says in verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a, uh, a consolation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. Here are his accusers right in front of him. And everything that we're reading right now, those verses that we had right in the beginning of the service, this is kind of where we're jumping back into the story right now. Jesus has come right before Pilate and the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they are accusing Jesus of all the things that he has done wrong. And he doesn't say a word. 
In fact, Pilate asks him a question, and he says, you have said this about me. Why would Jesus do this? You know, sometimes you and I have accusers in our life, people that question our call, question if we're really God's child or we're loved by him or what we're doing is really called by him. And maybe there's something that we can learn from Jesus tonight when people accuse us, when they bring those accusations against us. Maybe the best defense is to stay silent. See, when you know what God has called you to do, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. And Jesus knew that deep down. He knew that the Father had called him to do this. And if the Father had called him to do this, anyone could say what they wanted about him. It didn't matter. That's for some of you guys tonight who have just been letting people tear you apart with their words, saying that you shouldn't be a Christian or you shouldn't be pursuing this area in your life. If God has called you to it, then you don't need to answer anyone, just him. And so I think that's so profound that Jesus chose to stay silent. And then obviously, Pilate was just so blown away by Jesus being willing just to be silent. Verse six. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner from whom they asked. And among them, rebels in prison whom they had committed murder and insurrection. There was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate, do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. And so Pilate sees all of this happening right before him, right? And he knows that Jesus is innocent. He gets it. He sees what's really happening here, or he thinks to a degree he sees what's really happening here. And so he devises this plan. He goes, all right, the people are going to ask me in a little bit to release for them a prisoner. And I wonder if Pilate was trying to get Jesus out because he knew he was innocent. And, and we see that as we continue to walk through this scripture that Pilate knew. And I wonder if he called in one of his guards and said, all right, here's what I need you to do. I need you to find for me the worst person that we have tied up there. I mean, just someone who the people would hate, someone who they would despise, that they know is just such a horrible, messed up, defiled person. And maybe the guard goes back and he, he asks some of the other guards, talks to some of the prisoners, who's the worst of the worst here? Who, who could we bring up? Pilate is looking for this person. And maybe the guard comes back to Pilate and says, all right, I have someone perfect. This guy, he is a rebel. He has killed people. He's leading. He led some horrible things. Totally messed up, flawed, one of the worst people that we have. Why don't we bring out Pilate for the feet? I mean, why don't we bring out Barabbas? And Pilate's like, that's a great idea. That's exactly what we will do. We will bring out Barabbas. And so on this grand stage stands Barabbas. One of the worst sinners, I think, that Pilate had to offer on one side. And there, on the other side of the stage, stood Jesus. And Pilate thought for sure that Jesus was going to get off. That there was no way that they were going to charge Jesus. He had figured it out, the way to beat the system. And this is what it says next. Actually, before we get to that, I had always missed verse 10. For he perceived 
that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. See, Pilate did to a degree see through the jealousy of the Pharisees. They hated Jesus for the things that he was doing, for the claims that he made, for the healings that he was working. They hated him because of it. And they, he could see their envy. Envy and jealousy can drive you to do some really bad things, guys. And we see that right here and there. But envy was only part of it. If it was just envy, it wouldn't have gotten this far. It was the Father's will for Jesus to be brought here on that stage that day. And if it wasn't the Father's will, Jesus wouldn't have been there. And so, yeah, envy played a part, but it was the Father's heart for Jesus to be there. And this is what it says in verse 11. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him released, to have them release for them Barabbas instead. And so here's the crowd, and the Pharisees are riling them up. And last week we talked about how the crowd got it right. That as Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the crowd goes nuts and they cry out, Hosanna. But now the crowd has got it all wrong. How quickly they changed their opinion of Jesus in one week. One moment he was the Messiah, the next they're crying out, crucify him. And we can be so quick to get on the crowd, right? How, How could they do something so dumb? How often do you and I change back and forth sometimes? We say, yeah, Jesus, you're everything. On a Friday night we worship, on a Sunday we give it all we got. But then during the week we're looking to things we shouldn't be looking to. And, and maybe we're not saying crucify him out loud, but we're looking to sinful things that we know are wrong. And so we can be fickle too. And so the crowd has completely changed their mind and the Pharisees are building it all up. And so it starts as a small chant, crucify him, crucify him, to a point where they're screaming it now. They want Jesus to be murdered on this cross. Verse 12 says this, And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Guys, Pilate wanted to save Jesus. But Jesus wanted to save the world. Pilate wanted to save Jesus in this moment. But Jesus knew that he had to save the world. And he, nothing was going to stop him from following through on the Father's wish for him. And so it seems like this guy, Barabbas, interrupts this whole story. It's, it seems like everything is lining up. Why does God let Barabbas into this great story that is overflowing, this horrible, messed up guy. It seems like everything is on the right track. And then it almost seems like he interrupts everything. And have you ever thought about this from Barabbas' standpoint? So now we talked about Pilate's before and maybe some of the guards, but I wonder what Pilate must, I wonder what Barabbas must have been thinking in those moments. So they bring him up. And everyone was accustomed to the ceremony that was going on. And so he's probably shocked as they bring him up. He's probably looking around like, really? 
Why, why are they choosing me? Well, why would they want me to come up? And so there he is, like we were saying, on that stage again, standing right here, and he hears the chants. We want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. And maybe he begins to think, the people love me. The people care about me. The crowd wants me to be released. They want me to go free. And so he starts to get excited. Maybe he gets released. And he goes free and he goes and he finds his friends and he tells them what goes on. And he's like, the crowd loves me. They wanted me to be free. So Barabbas is blown away probably by what happens. But he thinks that he is probably released himself and he thinks that he is so beloved by the people and there's jesus just standing there taking all of this in see it it wasn't the crowd that released barabbas it was god the father that released barabbas that day and you know what the reason was it's because he loves barabbas I think that the reason why this character interrupts this whole story is because God was trying to show us something so deep that you and I need to see tonight is that God is crazy about Barabbas. Just like he's crazy about some of you guys that are still holding back some of your heart tonight. Some of you guys that are wandering down some wrong roads. God is crazy about you. Just like he was Barabbas. Barabbas is set free to let the world know Jesus' sacrifice is for the worst of the worst. For the worst criminal, for the worst person that this world has to offer, Jesus' sacrifice is enough even for that person. See, you and I are really Barabbas in this story. Our sins make us just as dirty as Barabbas' sins make him messed up. We are so flawed. We look to wrong things all the time. That is a picture of you and I standing on that stage. And I wonder if Jesus looked over at Barabbas. And I thought, I wonder if his eyes just fill up with love. And we don't get any part in the story where we hear that Barabbas runs to Jesus afterwards or while he's carrying his cross and says to him, Jesus, thank you so much. Not even that he believes that he's the Savior, even though he was saving Barabbas right in this moment. Nothing tells us that he went over to him and said, thank you so much. My life is free now because of yours. Barabbas goes on his way. Why would God be willing to die for someone like that? Why would he trade his place? Because God loves us while we were still sinners, while we had rejected him and cared about him. And Barabbas maybe never even turned his life around. He lived the same way. God still loved Barabbas enough to trade places. That's the love of the Father, guys. Even if we don't turn back, he loved us when we were sinners. And his heart breaks for those that are wandering and far tonight. He loves you so incredibly much. You and I 
or Barabbas in this story. And some of us are on the platform, so to speak, today. And we're just beating ourselves up. We're on trial, so to speak. And we say, you know, it was by grace that I have gotten here, but I've just been messing up so much lately. I've just fallen short. I'm just such a I'm failure. God, I've failed you so many times. I'm going to do my best to try and get myself out of this. Guys, you can never work your way to God. It is impossible. You can try as hard as you want to beat that ad- addiction. That thing that is coming against you so hard, you can get every amount of help that you think that the world has to offer. It will never be enough. But Jesus is enough. His sacrifice is enough. And some of you are on the stage tonight going, but Jesus, I'm, I deserve this. I, I deserve to be on trial. I deserve the shame. I deserve the pain. I've just messed up so much. I am just such a horrible waste of life. And Jesus looks at you tonight and says, give me your shame. Give me your sin, the things in you that are so broken. He is the only answer. There is nothing that you can do tonight to change your th- where you are at, but he can do everything. His blood is enough, guys. Some of you have just been killing yourselves lately. And Jesus looks at you and says, I can get you out of that pit that you are in. But you can't do it on your own. And that is good news. Because we are no match for the power of our sin and the power of hell. But he is our champion. He has done it. And he has won the day, guys. His blood is is enough for whatever you're feeling or going through. It covers it all and it washes over everything. So let me walk you guys through the rest of the story. They turn him over to the crowd. They give him a crown of thorns to mock his kingship. He is then beaten with a cat of nine tails that had metal and pieces of glass and it would rip into your flesh and as they pulled it out it would rip your flesh to pieces and he stood there silent at any moment he could have said this is enough I'm done I'm calling down angels to get my to get me out of this but not once did he do that he took a beating that the Bible says he didn't even look like a human after he had taken that's how messed up his skin was his body was beaten he was ripped to pieces all for you i wonder what stopped him from crying out in that moment how was he able to get through that moment see i think he thought about how much he loves each and every person that would walk this earth. With every whip that went into his back, he thought about you and how he wanted you to be free one day and how the pain was worth it so that one day he could be with you. Man, that, that, there's just something about that that just, I, I want to cry out, God, God, you don't deserve that. And that is that self-righteousness 
trying to build itself back up in me. And it's a free gift. That we just have to look at Jesus and say, thank you. Thank you that you were willing to do that for me. For the wrong things that I have looked at. For every place that I've gone that I shouldn't have gone. Every thought that I had that was wrong. Every time I a lie, their jealousy in my heart, her anger. It was all for me and you. That's why he did it. And then they led him away and he couldn't even carry his cross because he was in so much pain and agony that someone had to come alongside of him and help him carry it. And then he gets there and he lies down on the cross and they, they drive the nails through his hands and through his feet. And they hang him on that old rugged cross for people to come and mock him, for people to come and laugh. The Pharisees were so happy. They were rejoicing in what was happening. This horrible sign, this this tragedy that was happening right before them made them so happy. There were some, his mother some of his followers that were just broken hearted. And there he hung on that old rugged cross for you and me. And we're going to have some communion now and I'm going to read to you guys as the communion is coming on by. And if you don't want to take it tonight, that is completely up to you. This is something that Jesus asked us to do in remembrance of him. And that's why we do this. It is, we don't believe that it is his actual body and blood that we drink tonight. It is a representation so that we can remind our hearts. And there is great power in it. And so as you get it, I just ask you to hold it as you get it. And I'm just going to read through some scripture picking up on where I had just left off. And this is what it says in John 19. After this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they may be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it He who saw it has borne witness to his testimony that this is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. That you may also believe. For these things took place that scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says they will look on him who they have pierced. So, you can take that piece of bread in your hands. And I'm going to pray for it, and then you can eat it. Jesus, thank you, God, 
that you're, were beaten for us, God. That your body was bruised for us. That that should have been me. But you took my place, God. Thank you so much, God. That you stood in my place. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it, God. But you did it anyway because you love us so much. And my heart is that as we eat this bread tonight, God, that you would release by your Holy Spirit a new depth of who you are to us, God. That the things that we have heard tonight, and I know that they've been somber and very serious tonight, God, but that they would sink into our hearts and they would make us different people. I know that there is power in communion. And I pray that it would be released tonight, God, as we do this remembrance of you. Thank you for standing in the gap. You may eat the bread. Jesus, I thank you so much that you were willing to drink in the cup of the Father's wrath. That you took every single sip, Lord. You didn't leave anything behind. I thank you, God, for your blood that washes over us today, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, from all shame, that we are now the righteousness of God because your blood covers us. I pray that your blood would just wash over anyone tonight, God, who has just been carrying around deep shame in their life and in their heart, God, that it would wash it away, that they would feel even their conscience is just washed by your blood today, that that is the great power of your love, that by your stripes and your wounds, we are healed, that we are restored and we are set free and we are made new, God. Thank you so much for the great power of your blood. We love you, Jesus. We are just so lost without you today. Thank you, God. In your name we pray, amen.